Hey folks, and welcome to episode 155 of the Phil Swallow podcast, recording on Saturday the 29th of July 2023, and the title of this episode is RAF Biggin Hill. That's in Kent in the UK, former RAF station. It ceased to be an RAF station in 1992. I've got an itchy eye. does nothing for the audio version of this podcast. Uh, not a lot for the visual one. Anyway, I hope you're doing well. Hope you are doing well. It's been a busy week. It's been a great week. Lots of things happening in terms of creativity and channel. And so without further ado, I'll get on with it. Now, I'm consistently inconsistent because I determined or declared recently that I was going to mention at the top of the show what I'm going to cover in the rest of the show. I, I haven't really done that. It's I mean, these aren't, you know, kind of formal things. Anyway, today's show, Biggin Hill, RAF Biggin Hill, made two visits there in the last three days, all for good reason. I'm going to talk about my latest video that's gone live. Yay, walk and talk, and they're always good. Uh, and a little bit about some exercise uh, regime, or an exercise regime that I'm starting off on. I'm also going to talk about a couple of things that Sue and I have watched on TV recently, because uh, I thought that might be an interesting slot. Get your views and opinions on things. So so there's that. Uh, we went to see Oppenheimer, one of the big movies out at the moment, back with Barbie, but Sue's interested in seeing Barbie. I'm not so interested, but who knows? Who knows which way this could go? And uh, close with a nice positive about some of the YouTube comments that I've been getting. So at the top, Biggin Hill times two. Why have I been to Biggin Hill twice? Well, we stopped there recently, and I mentioned in an earlier episode, uh, we were on the way back from Eltham to Sue's mum in Catrum, and one of the best routes was to go via Biggin Hill. So we stopped there, had a nice cup of tea, I had a chat with them, and uh, we took a leaflet as to some of their forthcoming events, which are online as well, but you know, we just took the leaflet because we were there. And a few of them took my eye. So one of them was a walk around Biggin Hill, and it's a two-stage walk. And I did the first stage on Thursday afternoon. It was about about two hours worth with a, a guide from one of the team there called Lulu. She was great fun. And the walk is basically all paved walk. So it's a sort of walk that anyone could do. Uh, it's There's no special access to the airfield. Uh, you don't go on any, any rough terrain. Uh, you, you you literally walk from, well, what was the North Camp now or then uh, is the main museum area down towards Jail Lane. This works if you know the area or you're prepared to look at it on a map. And then we cross over and come back the other side. And of course, we're stopping at various points to learn some of the history, many things we didn't know. Uh, and then as you're going over the main runway, of course, there are the more modern kind of, you know, private jets and things taking off, which is always good fun. And then we finished at the officer's mess area and uh, went back into the, the sort of uh, restaurant and um, well cafe and chapel area uh, there, which is it's all visible online. So it was great fun. I, I A lot of it, I didn't really know the history. I knew that RAF... Red, Red Hill, that's another place. RAF Biggin Hill was a wireless station in terms of wireless technology and the development thereof. In fact, there's a road called Wireless Way in what was South Camp, which is the first area that was ever built in the airfield. And that story 
was key when we got to World War II uh, because we had like an advantage over the enemy with uh, use of that technology. So we learned a bit about that and obviously things that had been and gone, many things that have been and gone over the years. And I've, I think it's later August, there's part two of this walk, which is where you do cross some muddy terrain. You sort of go around the other side of the airfield. Uh, I think there's five styles that you have to cross. So you kind of need to be able to do that before you can sign up for them but the first walk i would say is accessible and um there's just there's such a spirit in these places i mean we looked at two of the main buildings that are at the front one is the office the old officer selection center which i think they're all kind of protected um there's another building right on the very front and i can't remember the name of that it was built in the 1930s 1931 it said on the stone and they look empty uh they are maintained from the outside uh, I, I would imagine it's, you know, if walls could speak, if you ever got in there, you'd probably sense certain things if you were there. I'm a, I'm a great believer in that. And it was, um, it's a very special place up there. And I think when we go the other side, so this is, as you're looking at Biggin Hill, where the, the Spitfire and Hurricane models are on the, on the entranceway, uh, we turned right to go to the South Camp area, Joe Lane, but we're going to go left so further north, I suppose, uh, to where the, ultimately where, where you would go as a passenger now to to take a flight from London Biggin Hill Airport. But you go past a lot of the buildings that are still there that were in full use. I think the Metropolitan Police dog training team have a place there, as does, I think there's a ATC squadron, um, one or two there. So we'll learn more about that when we go on the, um, on the other walks. That should be great fun. Really looking forward to that. And today's trip, it was quite a short trip for me, really, mainly because I live quite near. And it was a, a Merlin, Rolls-Royce Merlin engine startup, fire up, I can't remember what they called it. And interestingly, I, I, the way my day worked out, I had some successes on some of the errands and things that I was doing earlier. And the day worked out well because uh, I got there for the first startup, uh, which was at 11 a.m. And the guy had said just before that, or as part of the intro, he said, this isn't a start from an ambient temperature of the engine block. So it, it was, uh, it, it would be running for its longest uh, of the runs that it would go throughout the day. I think it's from uh, <clears throat> from 11 a.m. till 3 p.m. So we saw a bit more and it starts off on low revs and then goes up to a, a more faster rev and spin. Uh, and the sound is marvellous. In fact, just before he was getting going and firing it up, a Spitfire went past which is part of the uh, memorial hangar there, the heritage flight where people pay to go for a ride in Spitfire so, uh, or, or Hurricane or whatever. So um, I, I had just my phone with me and I was able to capture some uh, footage and stills. So I will do a little video at some point. I'm probably just going to stick with it for now. And when I need to produce some content, perhaps when the weather's a bit poor or things get a, lit, a leaner, or any combination thereof. Also, uh, when I've done and dusted with the Tokyo videos, um, you're probably fed up with me saying that now, but it is edging nearer, very near, very near, possibly this week. That'd be great. So it's a great place. And to go there and see the firing up of a Rolls-Royce Merlin engine was uh, was awesome. Uh, it was really, really great. Nice group of people there, uh, you know, young and old, um, taking pictures and things like that. And then you could go a bit closer to the extremely hot engine afterwards and fire questions and things. So uh, 
Yeah, it's good, but I was I've done the dusted in fairly short order, so that was good, and it's only about a 10, 15 minute journey here to uh, to Biggin Hill, so that was cool. Um, yeah, so Catrum on the Hill walk and talk video, it's actually the town trail video, so I filmed it the previous week, and I worked hard on the edit last weekend. The weather wasn't great, the Open Golf Championship was on, and it was a kind of runaway leader, so I didn't feel that I needed to follow every shot. So I just cracked on with that, and it went live on Sunday evening and went down really well. Um, in fact, I'm getting to that nice position now where YouTube is seeing to seem to be promoting these videos. I don't really need to do a massive social media blitz, although I do do put it typically on. Uh, on Facebook and and maybe um, threads nowadays. So uh, I, I've always maintained that my target audience is the YouTube audience. They're the viewers that are going to hopefully subscribe if they like what they see and they want to be lined up to see any more. And it, it it's good that YouTube's algorithm promoting them promoting my videos helps. You can tell that because you get a a clue on the analytics as to where people are finding it from. Some are searching for it, a handful, uh, but many are being offered it. And then obviously it just, it just somehow the magic of algorithms in modern social media and similar things uh, just finds an audience for your content, which is wonderful. Uh, all, all I ever want to do with this stuff is put the best content out that I can. That will always be based on my skill set that I have at that time obviously. And I learn as I go. Uh, I'm, I still need to do more. I just need to keep doing more. Uh, I was also planning some walks this week. Uh, so in, using the Ordnance Survey map, and it works both on, you know, iDevices, tablets, phones, and also online on the on their web page, you can actually plot and plan routes using the Ordnance Survey maps and save them. You can save them as your own. You can save them such that you can send people a link or you can leave them public. And it helps me to think, how far could I go in what sort of time? You know, how how many miles, obviously. How long that would that take, typically? What's the elevation changes like and all that? And all that can go in there. So you think, well, actually, I'd rather be doing three and a half miles and five. Then you can just easily chop and change that. So I aim to do those walks when the weather allows me to do those walks because it's completely hit and miss at the moment. Uh, we're in that pattern. We've been in it for two to three weeks, it feels like, where the forecast might initially say no rain today and probably within an hour or two you go out there and you'll be drenched and then it will clear up and it'll be quite warm sunshine and rinse and repeat, uh, almost literally. So looking down at my notes. So the exercise, Pilates. Uh, I I knew that I should have been doing this for some time. Um Sue got going. She took a lot of initiative to go off and get involved in the gym better, better something at New Addington. And because we're over 60s, we get like a free membership. And then it was something like £2.65 for a Pilates session. It was hard work. Uh, there are one or two things that I didn't find as hard as some of the others. There were quite a few that I found very hard. But that's the right answer in many ways because you've got to find some of these stretches and get into these positions. I believe I'm capable of it, but I need to kind of do the practice and do the classes to get there. Uh, core strength is very important at our age. Uh, funny voice. Uh, but anyway, so Pilates, that's the start. There may be other things. Um, Sue and I 
talked about doing some badminton at some point, which we may do maybe in the winter. So uh, having a resource like that just up the road is really handy. So that's really good. So yeah, it was on Monday. Uh, this week, I'm we're both going on Monday again. And in the afternoon, I'm playing golf. So that could be interesting. Uh, and obviously, the weather could be a factor. But anyway, it's all going to happen. So TV shows. A couple of things that we've watched or are watching. One we've watched, one we're still watching. So we often take our lead from things that might be nominated for awards. And within that, we'll often look on IMDb online to see what sort of rating they are. And we, we've got a kind of rule that if it's if it's ideally seven or above, it's probably worth giving it a go. Then it's just down to whether we might like it or not. Uh, but we saw one called the uh, the Sixth Commandment. I put Sixth Amendment here. I've been watching too much American politics. Sixth Commandment, and it was uh, based on a true story. So there's always a dramatization element of these. Uh, but it was so so powerful. Uh, the story was quite. Um, it's difficult to describe it. Concerning, certainly. Um, but it really did hit you in the stomach a little bit as well. So it was so well done. Uh, very good team of actors, very well put together. And the cinematography was great, did what it needed to do. But it was actually so powerful. We we often will want to binge and maybe do... There's, there's four episodes in this particular um, show, series. Uh, we felt we absolutely couldn't go straight on to the second episode, even though the story content may be slightly different. Obviously, it would be. It's continuing the story. But we just said, no, we'd, we're just out of it. We're going to watch something different. We'll find some comedy or just not watch TV. Uh, and then we went back to it later in the week. And because it's on BBC iPlayer, you can watch all of them, uh, which we've done. Uh, very, very good series. And what I often do with these things is then just have a little look online. And sometimes you go on YouTube and there's videos involving real folk who took place. And there might be people have done either TV documentaries about it, you know, the real life crime ones that have found their way onto YouTube or they've almost been, almost been made just for YouTube platform. So that was very, very powerful. Uh, the other one is The Bear. So this was nominated for Emmys, I believe, um, about a chef, Chicago based chef. And it's on Disney Plus. So I know, you know, you need a subscription to get to some of these things. And it feels like nowadays we need subscriptions all over the place to get to watch the really decent stuff. But very, very good. And also in some ways, hard to watch initially. Um, I'm I'm going to struggle to to give too much away. But there was a certain, the, the kind of, the scenario, the opening scenario was such that things weren't settled. People weren't settled in what they were doing in this kitchen arrangement, cafe arrangement, uh, whatever you might call it, burger joint, but it's more than that. And tensions. There was lots and lots of tensions and tensions between characters, tensions about the situation itself that they were in. And um, thankfully, only 30-minute episodes uh, so so we again we kind of watched that first one and put it down for a bit and went back soon after very very good we're now on to season two and it's just brilliantly acted uh quite very natural in terms you know you believe you are a fly in the wall in this establishment to be honest and uh looking forward to how season two plays out and who knows where it might go from there sometimes these things are actually better if they're left for a shorter run uh so we'll see but it's um 
it's extremely watchable. We know that we're going to switch that on. The standard will be high. It'll be where it's at. And we'll be kind of entertained and carried along with the story, which is, you know, the whole aim of these things. So, And yes, we went to see Oppenheimer. That was yesterday. Now, um, acting performances, brilliant. Uh, Killian Murphy, I mean, he's up there now, but he's only going to get higher. His stock will get higher. Uh, he is an extremely talented actor. Um, he's he's got nothing to prove to UK audiences, and I think you know Peaky Blinders has probably got certainly across the pond. It's got a, a good following, and maybe um, you know around the world. He he is something else. He brings such a presence to the screen. Um, but there are other other performances as well that were equally as good. Robert Downey Jr. was good. Um, Gary Oldman almost a cameo. Uh, awesome that guy honestly he so watchable so watchable um matt damon i, I you know I, I could go on but the the performances across the board were excellent i i know it was a long film you know three hours including the credits and stuff probably the first 30 to 40 minutes it's leading into what the story is going to become and it almost flicks a switch at that point so don't judge the film by that first section. Listen to the dialogue. Watch what's going on. Understand that because it will kind of be played back to you as you get through the rest of the movie. Uh, and then it will kind of make sense at the end. And and then, again, like I tend to do with these things, look at the reality. What, what's the real story? You know, go online. Uh, I think also for that particular story, you know, a couple of months back... Um, yeah two and a half months back uh, Sue and I were in Nagasaki so that features in the film and the way they carried out those the the presentation of those events was was very powerful very powerful indeed and having been to Nagasaki having seen exhibits in the museum having read accounts of what it was actually like and how people's day-to-day -day lives are affected obviously very powerful as to how they built rebuilt and now they refer to celebrating peace but having understood that there were elements of that film which i felt were uncomfortable i was uncomfortable watching soon i did say at the time when we were there about the um some of the some of the words that were put in some of the accounts in the museum from the American side. Uh, it's Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and there's been many, many years of hindsight in that particular piece of history. So um, so it's a good, solid, powerful movie, very well put together, cinematography excellent. Um, I would urge you to go and watch it. Uh, it's, it's good to, to take part in these events where it almost feels like we're all watching it together. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it was, it was good. I felt that in films that I've seen in the recent past, one that would le have left a particularly bigger mark on me walking away from it was the whole Elvis film, excuse me, the Elvis film. Um, I thought that was just tremendous and, and also all quiet on the West, rest, all quiet on the Western front and, uh, you know, other other recent first world war films so yes it was it was very good now 
I'm going to close with something that's been a good feature for this week. And it's comments and interaction that I get from doing what I do through the local history stuff, through typically the, the films and YouTube. I've had some good success doing some research for someone based in Australia who had a big connection with Sarnestead this week, digging into family history. And just these are things that I do in between doing other stuff. But I like the thrill of the chase. You know, the the journey hopefully ends to a destination or ends in a destination. But, you know, I, I, I do like that going on that journey. But I had a couple of comments this week that really stood out, not just because they were almost received one immediately after the other, but they summed up in many ways why it's such a thrill to produce these films. And the first one is the nostalgia factor. So many people, since I first started my first walk and talk, have come back to me saying, wow, what a trip down memory lane. You know, often these people have moved anywhere from Australia, Canada, the US, um, and further afield. And they just say thanks for, you know, telling telling us about what it was like then, what it's like now, showing what it's like now. Um, And I found that, I find that doing the films is a great medium for presenting the information in in that way. And there was a guy that watched the Salesden video and he said about when he was born, where he lived, uh, how they used to go tobogganing in the fields around Selsden. And uh, I actually, I, I won't go through the whole account of his story, um, but it it's so well written. So if you look at the the last big comment on my Selsden Walk and Talk video on YouTube, you'll be able, be able to see. But it just, you almost go back in time. You, you don't know this guy. Um Thank you very much for finding my video and for putting such a beautiful comment on there. But he just says he lives in Australia now, coming over to London, and six of them are meeting up from from uh, for lunch next month. So that's a group of seven from their primary school. And he said, how good is that? Phil, love your work, and thank you for jogging the old memory bank into action. So little things like that mean so much. It's just a little service that I enjoy doing, I mean, I suppose it's a spin-off. Um, I'm just looking to tell a story. If that then produces other stories, recollections, brilliant. Uh, so yes, that that was that was just amazing. And then, I one of the others that has really touched me. The story was Benjamin Beeson uh, of the local policeman and charge of the light brigade survivor and hero, all round hero. And I called him Sanders' local hero. So I had another comment. This was for, just from a, three days ago. Thanks, Phil, for a great article on my great-great-grandfather. It was really interesting to learn so much about him and his life. Kind regards, Inga Marner, Nee Beeson. So, I mean, how wonderful is that? Uh, I've already, in recent weeks, made contact with people that have been connected to videos on Hamsey Green Airfield. And I've got a follow-up meeting to take place soon, which would be great. And it's, it's just so heartwarming, really. Uh, that just by me doing what I like to do, there's that additional benefit. I know I'm repeating what I just said about the other comment, but you know what I mean, I hope. Um, it's I don't just do this for the fun of it. Well, actually, I, do. <laughs> I suppose I do do it for the fun of it. But you know that there's a there's a reason that other people find to 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 
to absorb the content in these videos. And they might mean different things to different people in different ways. Uh, hopefully generally positive. Um, there might always be some kind of situations that, that people don't want to be reminded of, and I apologize for that. But, you know, I, I try to keep these completely neutral, factual, try and get the stories right through my research uh, before I go out there, camera in front of my face, and um, and off on the walk and talk. So that was so great. I, I actually stopped and read the whole comment out to Sue from the sales and video, the longer comment, and um, she just said, well, and it was it was really touching. So, yeah, so I'm going to finish on that high for this episode this week, uh, which has been big and hill in, in front and centre, but lots of other very big things going on as well. So, as usual, thanks for watching. Thank, try again. As usual, thanks for watching slash listening to my podcast. I really do appreciate it. Feel free to comment if there's anything that you want to just chat about, like as in online. Comment, get in touch. I'm happy either way. I love having the dialogue, the banter, whatever you might want to call it. So uh, yeah, thanks for listening and watching, and I'll speak to you, and you'll hear from me in the next one.